was off. The amplifier was off. I know this. Uh, uh, this, this, this has happened many times. I used to be a sound guy, by the way, and what I love about being a sound guy is um, when there's a problem, everybody turns around and looks at you, right? You wanna be in the background, but everybody turns around like they're gonna help you. So, um, so yeah, uh, I, uh, I get that. Um, so uh, we are in First Peter this morning, and um, you know um, I, I can't think of a better way to start 2023 though, is thinking about what it means to grow, to grow deeper in our uh, love for God, learning more about Him. You know, at at the heart of our faith is a restored relationship with God that comes through Jesus uh, on the cross. And, and, and with that, right, we know we were made to be in relationship with God. We were made for worship. We were made to glorify God, to marvel, to live in wonder at his mercy and his grace that he has given to us. Every day, his mercies are new and renewed. So many gifts, gifts of salvation, gifts in creation, just being able to come into his presence. We should marvel at this. I, I hope Deuteronomy 6.4 comes to mind, right? That we are to love the Lord God with everything that we have. Right, with our strength, with our, with our hearts, with our minds, with, with who God has made us to be. And you know, another mercy and gift that God has given to us is one another. To be in community with one another as followers of Christ. We were made for relationship, relationship with God, relationship for one another. And Leviticus 9.18, right? We are to love others as we love ourselves, right? These are uh, what Jesus says, the, the whole law is embodied. But um, as um, Scott was talking about uh, church history, right? There are villains, right, and there are heroes. There are great deeds, heroic deeds, and there is treachery down through the ages, right? It is over and over. And so we recognize we live in this fallen, broken world and that it is impossible for us to fulfill the law of God. And so we are in need of rescue, right? Need of growing in our salvation, growing up. And so I want us to take a few moments just to consider how can we be more intentional with the faith that God has given us, right? To think about him and his word and what it means for our lives. Pray with me this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we uh, come uh, before you uh, declaring that you are uh, good. We declare that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, that Lord, uh, you stand over your creation. 
uh, and Lord, um, over a, a world uh, that is filled with rebellion. But Lord, you entered in to our world, right, to, to seek us. You left the 99 to seek and save the lost. Lord, we are humbled that you would love us this much, that we might have a restored relationship with you. Thank you that you have caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Lord, we acknowledge that we were the walking dead, dead in our sins and trespasses, that Lord, you showed us pity and mercy. Lord, this morning we acknowledge you are our only hope. You are the only hope in this world. You are our hope in the world to come. Lord, this morning I do uh, wanna pray for Pastor John as he ministers at Pacific City. Lord, bless his time. Uh, Lord, give him boldness to uphold your word, declare your goodness, encourage and exhort uh, that, that, that your love and the love that you command. And so it is for us to love one another. Lord, we also declare our love for you, knowing that you first loved us. Teach us, O oh God, teach me. Let each person here this morning encounter the living Christ and go from this place refreshed and encouraged and motivated to be faithful to your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. So let's jump into um, our text. Um, so if we can go to the next uh, slide. So grow up. Therefore, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. What does it mean to grow up in salvation? You know, growing up is hard to do. Think back to what it was like to navigate childhood, trying to figure out the world. Think about what it was like being a teenager. Don't want to go back there. <laughs> Trying to understand what it means to belong. This begin this process of being your own person. Then as a young adult uh, entering the workforce, uh, for me it was college and then going into the military and then going back to civilian life. Lots of change um, from being in your parents' home to being on your, your own. It can be both overwhelming and exciting. 
For some of us uh, in our youth, uh, trying to figure out marriage and then having your own children and trying to figure out parenthood and saying, I'm not gonna make the same mistakes my parents made and then find out that you did. And you wonder, how did that happen? Growing up is hard to do. So where I am in life, I look back and marvel how big it is to grow up. How hard it is to mature and how painful it can be. Next slide. Here's a picture of my daughter. Uh, she sent me this uh, last night. Uh, she is um, in her second semester of Northwest Nazarene. Um, I have no hair to show the stress she put me through last semester, but she made it. And um, she is working on getting accepted uh, into the nursing program at Northwest Nazarene. But I was thinking, you know, um, uh, she has never skied before. So she sent me this picture. And I, I'm thinking, doesn't she look good standing there, right? Dignified, all decked out, you know. It, you know, it's really uh, looking good, right? Um, and, and she even said, I'm, I'm just looking so forward to learning how to ski. Next slide. There she is doing the splits. <laughs> and this girl can do the splits. Um, but a little less dignified. And uh, this would be me. Um, I've never learned to ski. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'd end up in the hospital. Um, but the learning process can be painful. And um, I think if you or I had never skied before, or any of those that you had, you would be in the same plight, uh, awkward. There were bumps and bruises, uh, there's falling. Uh, just staying upright, I can imagine, would be a triumph. Uh, Cindy was saying uh, she went skating. I've only been skating a few times, but um, man, I have fallen and fallen hard. And so, um, man, no, no fun there. Your muscles get tired and sore, and, and you just want to master the skill. Uh, next slide. So it's easy to become impatient in this process of growing up. There's discomfort. Um, that would describe the growing up process. There's frustration, there's fear, there's anguish of failure, uh, there, but, but there's also triumph, and there's also successes. And as much as for myself, I, I dwell on failure, you gotta step back and look at success. You gotta look at when, I, I get it, I get it. And there is satisfaction in learning a lesson. There's joy and, and wonder at discovery. God's world, it's big. It's filled with beauty and intricacies, power and strength. It is a wonder to behold. It, it really is. But at the same time, we know it's a dangerous place, filled with unseen and, un and hidden 
menace. Next slide. So the beginning of chapter two of 1 Peter is a good place to put a chapter division because it begins with therefore. And it's, it's, a, it's a pause for us that we need to look back to chapter one to see what has gone before. So therefore, right, rid yourselves, grow up in your salvation. So what's preceded? And Peter begins in chapter one, verse three, praise, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, right? Peter begins offering worship, offering praise. God has showed mercy and he has been kind toward us. This this new birth because we were dead in our sins and, and transgressions, right? Because where sin is, lives are ruined, death follows, right? And, and so, I want you to think about how he starts chapter two, rid yourselves, right? Because where sin is, lives are ruined. Lives are ruined and death follows. And this isn't who we're called to be. We're given new birth and we are called to action. Right, verse 13, he says, therefore, have minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, verse 14, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who has called you holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So there you, there you have it, the, the therefore. The therefore, right? Be holy. Next slide. So now we're in this place where we can begin to unpeel and unravel what Peter is saying to us, right? Rid yourselves, right? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Now, Peter isn't giving an exhaustive list, right? Though, think about what the world would be like. Think about what the world would be like if these things didn't exist Let's just start with the people of God. Let's just start there. In my own life, if I had none of these things, and and think about the relationships that we could have, the genuine relationships. But Peter is saying, get rid of these things. So again, our English translations 
don't quite get, it, it, it is getting rid of, but it's more like a filthy garment, right? Being soiled, having fallen into the mud, being wet. The other week I was out tractoring in pouring rain. I was soaked completely. Right? And all I want to do is get those clothes off because it was uncomfortable. It was, it, was, it, was, it was just uncomfortable. And so Peter is saying, take these garments off and rid yourself. And he starts with malice, ill will towards others, wishing or inflicting hurt on another person, being mean-spirited. It's amazing the nuance that, that the Greek gives as you amplify these words, right? A vicious attitude. And then there's this idea of deceit. And, and lying or being untruthful, uh, taking an advantage of another person through deceit or, or cunning or treachery. Right? That is not who we are called in Christ. Truth uh, can also be used as a weapon. And so we are called as believers to tell the truth in love. And we don't want to wield truth as a weapon of malice. Hypocrisy, I like it because this was a, a Greek, Greek word, hypocrisis. hypocrisy. That's where we get our, Greek, uh, our English word right from the Greek. And it's another form of lying, saying we are one thing and doing another. We are play acting, giving an outward show, creating a public impression that is odd with one real purpose or motivation. But it's true of all of us this morning that we're broken people and we are in need of the forgiveness and the grace and mercy of Jesus. Right? And then there is envy. Envy is a self-inflicted wound. It is cancerous. It is cancerous first to the envier and then it poisons relationship. Malice is at the heart of envy. And then there's slander, more lies, more untruth, more just malice, speaking ill of others. It's evil speech. It's a verbal attack. I want you to notice something about each of these items. Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. These ruin relationships with one another. These things keeps the war going. These things are sin. And where sin is, bad things follow. Broken things happen. Our lives are lessened. This is not what it means to be holy. These things dishonor ourselves, dishonor our witness as Christ followers, and cause all kinds of hurts to others and ourselves. Pain is the result. This kind of spirituality, 
right? This reminds me of the church in Revelation that leaves you exposed. It leaves you poor or impoverished, and it leads, leaves you blind. So now we get to 1 Peter 2.2. Next slide. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So now that we know what we should get out of our lives, now what does it mean to grow up in our salvation? Cravings. Have you ever had cravings? You know, I, I have this love-hate thing with food, okay? Um, but um, I, I love food. I love how it tastes. But unfortunately, I gain weight. And, and I've like gained 15 pounds since Thanksgiving, and I'm trying to lose it now. And it's hard work. And I just wish I didn't love food so much. But uh, one of the cravings that I have is I'll eat something sweet. Then I want something salty. Then I want something sweet. And then I want something salty. And I go around and around and I don't seem satisfied. How's that for an image? Peter is giving an image for what gives a vibrant, growing faith. Crave pure spiritual milk. That word pure means unadulterated, right? Don't eat junk food. Eat the real thing. The junk food's gonna make you sick. This is gonna make you healthy. That's right. This, God's word is going to make you healthy. We need to desire the word of God. Being born into his kingdom means that we have to grow up and we don't know everything. And so we need to be intentional about spending time in the word, right? This is first and foremost, right? First, right, we're made to worship. And, and we start with the word of God, right? The psalm that was read this morning, right? As the deer pants for the, the water, right? Craving to be in God's presence, giving him praise, giving him honor, giving him glory. <clears throat> I think about Psalm 19, that says that the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to our eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, and by them your servant is warned, and keeping them is of great 
reward. We need to be in God's good word. We need to be spending time in that time of refreshing. God's word is trustworthy and we can take it to the bank. His word is a lamp to our feet. God turns the lights on for us and we can keep our feet from stumbling. His word is more precious than gold. Right? We are warned by his word that we might know the right and good way because when we go our own way, there is pain, there is ruin, and there is death. And we see this played out in the lives of men and women and boys and girls. Keep your servant from willful sins that it may not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent from the great transgression. And I think we can all just say, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, your God. The second part of craving this pure spiritual milk, it's God's word, but there's more. Next slide. Peter said, just in verse 22, he says, now that you have been purified, right? You have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, right? We've come in faith to Jesus. We have been caused to be born again so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Bible speaks a lot about saying we love God and then when we don't love others. This loving others is our greatest challenge. It's the world's greatest challenge. We cannot get along with one another. We are warring among ourselves and it is played out. There is misery, there is suffering, and there is death. As I was thinking about this idea of not getting along, a book by Will Durant, uh, written in the early 1900s on uh, the philosophy of the world. It's a, it's a small little book, but there was one philosopher that comes to mind. Uh, he published a book in 1818. His name was Arthur, uh, Arthur Schopenhauer. I don't know if any of you have heard of Schopenhauer. Anybody? Anybody? It's probably just as well. His opening line in his book the world is my thought. How do you like that for humility? The world is my thought. 
In other words, I think, therefore, the world is. And the age encouraged him. In 1818, uh, if I can refresh your European history a little bit, it was a time of the end of the Napoleonic Wars. It was a time of destruction, misery, and death. The continent was in ashes, millions had died, and the writer of this book on philosophy commented that the upper class had lost their faith, right? The upper class had lost their faith. And that made me pause. Why? Why would they abandon their faith? Could it be that they were trusting in something other than God? Could it be that they were trusting in their position, their power, their wealth, and now it was gone or diminished? They put their hope in the wrong thing. And so you have people like this philosopher looking at the results of war, men killing men. He looks at the destruction, he looks at the, the, the misery, and then he, he sees the coldness and hardness of the world. No doubt that he saw the darkness. Does he conclude the world is messed up? That people are really messed up and do evil things? No. He blames God. He blames God. And where do you go from here after you blame God? Well, I'll tell you where he went. He went to despair. He went to hopelessness. He created the beginnings, if you're familiar with the word nihilism, right? That life is absurd, life is meaningless. When people began to read his work, people saw through it pretty quick, his arrogance, his pride. Some said his book was not worth the paper it was written on. I agree. One commentator quipped about his view of life. Schopenhauer was single, and um, so he finishes his philosophy, and he goes, I wonder what his wife would have thought about it. And that gave me pause, too, because God gives us each other. God gives us our spouses to help us along, or should help us along. He had his own ideas in the age of reason and unbelief, and it led to despair. First Peter 4, next slide. But for us, for those who belong to Christ, we have a living hope. That's what the world needs, right? The the world is falling into despair and hopelessness, but in Christ, we have this living hope. And Jesus has promised for us an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. 
It's kept in heaven for you, right? This world is not our home. And it's guarded through faith, right? It's, it's kept by God's power, being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Growing up in our salvation, next slide. We need each other as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Part of growing up in our faith is we get to practice what's in here, what's in the word. We get to practice love and mercy and grace on each other, or at least that's what we should be doing. Growing up in our faith means our lives are characterized by worship of God, authentic loving in connection with those God has called to be in fellowship with one another. command of Christ is that we love one another. We need each other because life is difficult and we should not do it alone. And when we do it alone, we are vulnerable to the enemy. We need each other to encourage one another and to learn from one another. Next slide. The third aspect of growing up in salvation, it's life, it's life. So we have God's word as our truth to learn of our faith, of what our lives should look like. He gives us one another that we can practice, but then the reality is it doesn't exempt us from the hurts of the world. And so this difficult, difficult passage where James says, brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I, I gotta say I don't look forward to troubles as great joy. But James is looking beyond the, the, the troubles that we face but for the faith that it produces. Knowing that your faith is, it's tested, your endurance has a, a chance to grow. So there it is, growing up, growing up in our salvation. We are made to grow up in our faith. It takes effort, it takes intentionality. It means we're gonna be battered and bruised. We might even do the splits. But it means we need to be in the word of God. It needs, and we need to be with other believers. And we need to put into practice our faith in life every day, even in the troubles. There are so many distractions. And then we can't keep this to ourselves. Next slide. Uh, next slide, sorry. I wanna summarize where we've been. We are made to worship God. 
And as we gather and worship and we sing praises and we're fellowship one another, right? This is what God has made us for. We worship God and we connect with one another and then we grow up in our faith. But there should be a result of these things. God has given us grace and mercy. It should overflow in our hearts. And how can we keep this good news to ourselves? We, others, need to see that God's goodness overflows from our life. Next slide. As you go this week, I want you to think on these things of what it means to grow up in salvation. Let's pray. God, I confess uh, growing up is hard to do. Lord, it is filled with frustrations and failures, but Lord, thank you that you are with us and have promised to be with us even to the end of the age. Lord, it's my prayer uh, for these that are here, um, to these that will be coming through the doors, that we would be growing up in our faith, that it would be active and alive. That Lord, that knowing that when we are tested and we face the brokenness in this world, that it produces faith that is more precious than gold more precious than, than, than anything in this world. Lord, I know there's people hurting this morning and I would just ask that you would surround them with your love. Lord, that your word would be resident and resonant, that they know, that we know, that I know, that we have a living hope that is through Jesus Christ who has risen from the dead. In these days to come, may we find our joy in you 